Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and with me again is John. Hey. Hopefully everyone's doing good today. John, how are you? Uh, good. I'm usually delivering the mail in this neighborhood around this yes. time. <laughs> <laughs> now you're on the other side of the... Now, 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 now you're in the building. Yeah, I have a rare recording. Tuesday off. So you normally don't have Tuesdays off? Uh, my days off are very... I, it's never consistent. Do you always have a day off, like a Sunday or a Saturday or anything like that? Um, usually I have, uh, usually it's in the middle of the week. I, I'm working six-day work weeks pretty much every single week. Now, I had heard that in Greenville they're putting up a new Amazon distribution center. Is And, and I'd heard from someone who works the post office that they're going to have a lot less, like they're no longer going to be doing their... Like local deliveries, or it might be even their Saturday Sunday deliveries. Had you heard anything like that? Uh, I've I've heard rumblings of that, but I haven't heard anything concrete at all. Mm. And um, like I just read a story about how Amazon laid off two thousand of the Amazon contracted delivery people, uh, which are like you buy your own van and you you get the Amazon decals and then you can deliver. Um, and they they laid off two thousand like hmm. last week, and they laid off like. Thanks. 1500 in october so i don't know if they're wanting to necessarily continue delivering on their own because uh, i know post office does do a lot of business with amazon but uh it would it would be okay to have less packages or a sunday <laughs> off so you don't think that that so when you said they got rid of the contractors that was them actually doing less of their own deliveries so you think it might ramp up deliveries with the local delivery system yeah i the contractors like Whenever you'd hear about them, you hear about them doing dumb stuff, like uh, sure. kicking packages or like uh, <laughs> their their trucks rolling away and like taking out taking out a mailbox or rolling into a ditch. So, yeah. <laughs> I the the training at the post office is really really ex, uh, extensive, and I don't think they get the same training as a contractor. Mm. And so because of that, I think they kind of are looking at those contractors as like, are they giving Amazon a bad name and should we continue to use them? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Your image is really important. And, you know, saving a few bucks having contractors do it as opposed to a postal service when the postal service will take all the heat for it. Right, yeah. As opposed to Amazon's delivery. If we take out a mailbox, they're not going to be like, Amazon was being delivered while this (laughs) mailbox was taken out. (laughs) That's funny. Just pass it along. Yeah. Just pass along blame to somebody else. I like it. Uh, so we got two topics we're going to talk about today. We have two news stories. Uh, the first one, and I'm sure people are going to hear this word and, like, groan instantly. We're going to be talking about really exciting stuff like the coronavirus. Yeah. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how it's affecting the game industry in particular because we've seen more and more of it. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about GeForce Now, which is NVIDIA's streaming service, very similar to something like Stadia as far as technology goes, not necessarily as pricing structure and stuff like that goes, uh, and how recently a lot of games have been jumping off of that service. And, and then Stadia, we had talked about that. We're not going to talk about Stadia in general, but about how they're suffering with how few games they have available on their service as well. Good. I was I was hoping we'd crap on Stadia a little we're, bit while we are doing we're, this. We're, we're going to get our chance to dump on Stadia yep. in conjunction with the GeForce Now topics. Uh, so we have that. And then to start the show, though, I wanted to talk about, and I actually thought about, I thought about doing like my game of the week and doing like an homage to Final Fantasy VII, 
because I played the demo yesterday. They released the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo on PS4 yesterday at like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Ooh, like last, last night or like in so that you could play so it all day? It would have been Monday morning okay. at like 3 in the morning. So as you went to bed Sunday night before you okay. woke up Monday. And uh, so I downloaded it uh, yesterday and throughout the day played it. I mean, we're busy working, but, it, you know, when you get a half hour here or there, you just pop it on and try to jam. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit of Final Fantasy VII memories. So I don't know. I know. And then you had something you want to talk about in regards to the wackiness of one of the promotions they have. In yes. Going along with Final Fantasy VII. But before we get to that, do you have any really strong Final Fantasy memories? Like Final Fantasy VII memories. Like when you bought it when it came out. Did you buy it when it came out? Did you hate it? Did you love it? That's I don't like that game. <laughs> you don't like Final Fantasy VII? Um, okay, that's I fair. like Final Fantasy games, specific ones. My my favorite Final Fantasy game, and really the only one I got really, really, really into that from the core franchise was um, ten. Uh, and then when ten, 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 two came out, I was furious mm. because the the sphere grid from ten was one of my favorite uh, leveling up systems in gaming, and then in ten two they just threw it out. Um, and then I also got into Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced, just because it was, like, one of the only games I had for Game Boy Advanced. Um, but, yeah, 7, my my major memory I have of 7 is uh, um, me and Greg have a mutual friend, Mark, that works at uh, GameStop. And uh, I grew up with Mark, uh, so you might hear a lot of Mark stories if I continue to be on the podcast. And um, so... We haven't gotten a cease and desist from Mark. Yes. Yet, so I think we're okay. <laughs> so uh, we lived on the west side of town, and we would ride our bikes like five miles to Toys R Us, so that way Mark could play the Final Fantasy VII demo <laughs> on their PlayStation <laughs> 1 <laughs> demo unit in the Toys R Us in Green Bay. That's awesome. Uh, so that's my main Final Fantasy VII memory was that. And then occasionally, like, I would go to his house and he'd be playing it, and so I'd see, like, the snowboard level, and, like, he'd be, like, in the casino with uh, Cat Sith or Kate Sith, however you pronounce mm-hmm. it. Um, but, like, I've tried to play that game a number of times, and I just cannot get into it from in the beginning of the game. Um, I love the characters in Final F- or in uh, Kingdom Hearts, like the when you run into Cloud and Sephiroth and stuff in Kingdom Hearts. I it's like oh this is awesome. They're they're really cool looking characters, but I always feel like uh, Square drops the ball on like getting me excited about it. Interesting, including now, the the movie. Like the sure. movie, the graphics are fantastic. Ga- movie looks amazing, but. As somebody who's not deep in the lore, it's like, none of this makes sense. Yeah, it, it would be hard to enjoy <laughs> Advent Children yeah. without liking Final Fantasy VII. I agree with that. Same with Crisis Core, too. Like, the things that made Crisis Core fun, a lot of it was the connection to Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. a prequel story and everything. Not that it wasn't, I still think, an okay game. I thought it was still fun, but it, it definitely wasn't. The best part of that game was the fact that it tied to Final Fantasy VII story, and that it literally ends at the beginning of Final Fantasy VII. Oh, Crisis Core does? Crisis Core does. Okay. Yeah, like, like, right at the end. It's fantastic. Did you play the PS2 weird offshoot? Dirge of Cerberus? Yeah. I did, and I didn't like it. No? And no, the gameplay wasn't good enough to keep me involved, and it was just like a sequel story, but with Vincent, who was a cool character, but they it was just like an action... I don't know. I guess it played more like Kingdom Hearts than it would have played like a okay. Final Fantasy. And it was a neat idea. Like part of in part of Final Fantasy Seven, you know, spoiler alert, I guess. It's not a major spoiler, but there's a part where part of this the like the ceiling 
of the of the city you're in of Midgar, one of the sectors, the ceiling falls. Okay. And so the idea of Dirge of Cerberus is that you're you're in that area where it fell and people have like mutated and the, the Mako has like warped some creatures. And so okay. you're going in to get something. And that's kind of the story. So it's got more of like an, almost like devil may cry is how it yeah, plays. It looked like that. Yeah. And it's just not, you know, unfortunately it's not good. So, uh, I do have a really good final fantasy seven story. So I, I got the demo in a PlayStation underground mag uh, demo disc. I don't even know when it had to have been a few months before the game came out. But to me, it felt like an eternity before the game came out. Okay. I must've played that demo 20 or 30 times. I would play it, finish it and start it right over again. And I absolutely loved it. I must've told at least 50 to a hundred people to buy that game personally. Like that <laughs> demo worked because I told everyone who I played, I showed it to so many people and I would show off the summonses. Like when you saw Ifrit the first time and you were just blown away. Like it was so cool. And so then the game, if I remember correctly in my head, I kept thinking the game kept getting delayed. Like I kept looking for it and it was, oh, it's not out yet. It's not out yet. And so I don't remember what it was like back then. Like I don't remember if they had set a date and stuck with it or, and distribution was a lot different back then. Like you didn't have really, I mean, I know software, et cetera, was around. Babbage's was around. And I don't even know if they got stuff day one back then. You know, I'm not quite sure how it worked in the like early PS1, earlier PS1 days. Like I was there in 2000 and we were getting stuff on Wednesdays. Because it would ship Tuesday, the release date, be in store Wednesday. Yeah, we weren't, like, uh, even in 2008, GameStop was getting stuff weird. Like, uh, I remember days where uh, when Madden would come out, uh, the district managers would send Mark, like, to drive to Illinois to go pick up copies of the games to ferry up to all of the GameStops in the area. I think it was 05. We literally all drove down to Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. That was the UPS distribution center. That's madness. So they had, and I remember the road. There must have been, man, there must have been 50 to 100 GameStop managers between Louisville, Kentucky, and Green Bay, Wisconsin, all in vehicles and stuff like that. That's insane. And we were all parked on this road waiting for our turn. I remember sitting there for like an hour or two, you know, like waiting (laughs) to get loaded. We got loaded, and we drove straight back. And then I drove, I want to say I had to pick up for Milwaukee. No, it was just the Green Bay area because okay. I never would have had enough room. I rented like a Suburban because they had us all rent trucks. We <laughs> all rented crap. trucks and vehicles. <laughs> it was crazy, and they made us all take someone along with us. Like another manager or assistant manager had to go with us, and I didn't have anybody else to go from that area. Couldn't go, so my okay. brother actually came on. My younger brother came along, and it was—I mean, it was awesome. You know, like it was—it was a—it was a weird road trip. You know, just so to go to, all the way to Louisville, Kentucky, to uh, pick up Madden 05. So yeah, th- it's always been kind of weird. So, but anyway, so. Final Fantasy VII, I don't know if I finally see that it's out. Maybe a friend told me they had it or whatever. So I finally am like, I got to go get it. Every store I go to, they don't have it. And I went to, I mean, I lived in Stevens, near Stevens Point, so there wasn't a whole lot of places to check, but I checked, you know, the Target there, and I checked the shop. They had two Shopcos, so we always called one Shopco, and then we had the old Shopco. <laughs> uh, and so I checked Shopco. It wasn't there, so I'm like, well, I'll go to the old Shopco. And I remember hitting the shelf, and there was one copy left. Oh, damn. And I want to say it was... Seventy nine ninety nine. Holy crap! Really? I think I think it, I think it was eighty bucks. Wow! And uh, and I scooped it up, and it was the, like the greatest thing ever. It never let me down. You know, the, the the demo hyped me into the stratosphere, and the full game didn't bring me down an iota. It okay. just stayed at this unbelievable level of fun. And every time I kept playing, like as I played through it, there was always some new secret to find. There was, oh, now I can go underwater. Now I have this submarine. Hey, have, or uh, this vehicle. I, oh, I found an underwater submarine. Oh, there's a special material in there. How cool. Oh, there's just an underwater weapon floating around on here. Like, let's fight this thing. You know, like it was so, 
it was just it it hit everything. It just it was just perfect. And arguably, Final Fantasy VII is one of the best Final Fantasies of all time in people's opinions. And a lot of people like Final Fantasy VI and V better. And I think it really is kind of like the Zelda argument where whatever you had first, you really love. And I think Final Fantasy VII was more of people's first Final Fantasy yeah. than most. You know, and so it's like people who love Ocarina of Time as their favorite Zelda game is because that was the first one they played. And that's the same era. So a lot of us as gamers today, their first systems were the PlayStation and the N64. Yeah. Even though not all of us have been playing since, well, I've been playing since the NES, but not all, not everyone has been. I feel like you can kind of tell how old somebody is if you ask them what their favorite Zelda game yeah. is. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's a hundred percent accurate. Uh, and I and I personally don't like Ocarina of Time because it was such a divergent from my favorite one, which was Link to the Past. Same. So, I also I also yeah, no don't like uh, Ocarina of Time myself either. Um, th- when like I played the original Zelda when it came out, but then Link to the Past is like the perfect like up-res and mm-hmm. refining of that original formula. So like I don't know anybody that would say they like the original one the best. And if you like two the best, you're an idiot. Hey, so first of all, (laughs) I love two, but arguably what I will say is if you played the first Zelda first, and then you played that as the sequel, you were scratching your head like, what the hell is this? This is not a sequel to my game at all. It's just a whole new game. Although you're a big OG Castlevania fan, though, aren't you? Castlevania, I love Castlevania too. And, uh, well, like, in general, (laughs) though, like, I feel like... I feel like Zelda 2 is almost like a Castlevania-ization of the Zelda hey, game series. I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it, but it added, like, it tried to keep the free roam, but there was, like, it was trying to do RPG elements, you know, because you're walking on an overworld map and getting into random battles. Yeah. You know, there was some weird integration of, of things there, but I'm totally fine with it. But then, like you said, then Link to the Past was the idea of those two games put into the perfect formula, but then also a good narrative added. And then later, I just felt like they lost the freedom of Zelda as they went with very story-focused games, which is why I think I love Breath of the Wild so much, because it went back to that just open world, where arguably it's kind of empty. Like, I don't have a problem with people who say that, but it was it was almost like a Skyrim game where it was just like, go do what you want. Yeah. And some people don't like that, and some people want that narrative-driven experience, you know? But for me, I it, to me, it reminded me of, if you were going to take the original Legend of Zelda and and update it 30 years later, it would be Breath of the Wild. My only complaint about Breath of the Wild is just that the dungeons are less grandiose. Yes, they're very just, much so. There's just a million of them, Yeah, and they're like one one room with one puzzle, and then you're done. Yeah, th- those those were weak, and then the four, like, an- the titans or whatever, yeah. I forget what they were, the guardians. So, like, the four guardians, like, those were weak, too. Like, like they, they, were, they, were, they were a dungeon, but there's only four of them. Yeah. They're not that great. And they're very similar looking and feeling, I guess, to me. So I was just kind of like, eh. You know, so I agree. And I don't think Breath of Wild's perfect. I just, that's what brought me back to Zelda because I had fallen off that train. I mean, I played Link. Link Between Worlds was probably the last one I played and really enjoyed before Breath of the Wild. Yeah. So it kind of brought me back, which I'm happy about. But, so that's my happy Final Fantasy memory. However, since we're on the topic, you mentioned something and I had heard about it, but I didn't dig deeper into it. So I'm going to let you share it with me. And I'm hearing a lot of this for the first time, but... There is a promotion, because as most games do now, there's going to be cross-marketing. Yes. Cross-promotion. It happens. It's a part of business. It's whatever. And Final Fantasy VII is partnering with Butterfinger yes. to do a cross-promotion. And I had heard something about buying the ra- getting wrappers or something, so that's all I knew about it. And then you said you want to talk about it, so I'm going to yeah. pass it over to you. And, like, fill me in on this whole thing. How does this work? So, butter. it's not just Butterfinger. It's... Uh... The Ferrero Rocher Company, which I didn't know that those fancy little chocolate balls also own Butterfinger. Oh. Um, 
I always thought it was like Nabisco or Nestle. Yeah, I, I don't know if like there was some sort of hostile chocolate takeover mm. or something. Um, but if you buy, it's Butterfinger, Baby Ruth, and I think Crunch Bars, um, and possibly some other ones. So they bought Nestle. Maybe. No, well, maybe. No, Nestle's a big company. It's I have no and idea. charges people for free water. Anyway, okay. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> um, so you have to buy two candy bars, and then... You have to take a picture of the UPC code and your receipt and email it to them, and then they will give you one of five pieces of content. So one of them is a free theme, and then the other, and and then there's five um, armor upgrades and stuff within the game that you get through this promo. And they've done promos like this before. It just seems like this is like they they just don't know how to even start it cuz uh so 10 years ago Dead Space 3 came out mm-hmm. and Dead Space 3 did a promo with Slim Jim and so I bought a lot of Slim Jims and had some questionable bowel movements <laughs> um and <laughs> because on the Slim Jim wrappers you peeled the Slim Jim wrapper off and there was a code inside, and you typed it into a menu on Dead Space 2, and it gave you awesome upgrades for your... Or Dead Space 3, and it gave you awesome upgrades for your guns in Dead Space. So, like, you'd have, like, an upper assault rifle that was, like... It it looked like a Slim Jim wrapper. So, like, the tip of it would be red, and then That's the rest of it would be yellow. That's horrifying. It's awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Um, so I bought, like, seven or eight Slim Jims because you just kept getting upgrades. Also, the... The gun system was one of the best things about Dead Space 3. Mm. Um, So so getting more guns was great. And this promo is just the dumbest way you could run this. Like, are they paying somebody to go over these emails and, like, verify that you're not sending them the same picture every day and then emailing a code? Website that you entered the info and that would generate a code. Yeah, or a code on the wrapper. Or a code <laughs> like, in the wrapper. They've yeah. been they've been printing codes on the insides of wrappers since the days of uh, the uh, the Who Killed uh, Mr. Burns yeah. episode of Simpsons. So it's similar to say Doritos and Mountain Dew when they were doing like bonus weekend Call of Duty things. Except this seems like a little different. Obviously, it's it's not. I, I don't like this. Like, initially my yeah. brain says I don't like this because, and obviously you don't have to do it, but when you say, like, one of five upgrades, so there's actual upgrades you can only get through this candy promotion. Possibly, yeah. And is it just, like, what kind of upgrade are we talking here? Is it is it just, like, a, is it a visual upgrade or is it, like, an actual, like, it makes your, like, is it a piece that you use it and it makes your armor tougher? I, I'm so confused. I would hope like, it turns your armor into, like, a, butter a giant butterfinger or it looks like you're just wearing a, a chest piece made of, uh, of um, baby Ruths. <laughs> that, uh, that sounds terrible. Uh, wow, that's fantastic. Well, okay. So there you go. That's the promotion that Butterfinger, Butterfinger's running with Final Fantasy VII. Cool. Yeah, that might be the dumbest promo I've ever heard. Yeah, and they just keep getting worse. It's actually kind of impressive. Um, so I will briefly touch upon the Final Fantasy VII demo that I played yesterday. So the first thing I felt right away, it felt just like the Resident Evil 2 remake demo. I don't okay. know why. It's such a strange thing because it's UI, actually. And when you hit start, it pauses the game, and then you can skip the cutscenes very similarly to how... Not that other games haven't done that, but very similar to Resident Evil 2 Remake. Like, it felt that way to me. And it, the way the characters looked and the animations, like, it felt like that's the treatment it got. Hmm. Which, obviously, very similar idea. A PS1 game switched to a, you know, a 
scaled to a remade for PS4, I should say. Uh, but the demo, in my opinion, was fantastic. As soon as you start it, it feels good. Uh, and then the music kicks on and it sounds like traditional music and it starts going into like they're kind of, they've, they've, in, they've taken the original soundtrack and like reworked it so that it sounds similar, but then it's more orchestral and it's like fuller. Okay. And so it just starts, it just, it, it was excellent. I mean, the demo is fantastic. Download it totally free. And at first I thought, well, maybe I won't play the demo. I'll just wait for the game to come out in April. And I thought to myself, but the demo was such a huge part of my childhood and like of nostalgia for me. Like I played that demo so much and this demo is literally the exact same length and scope of the first demo. Okay. Like it takes you to the, the first reactor and then you blow up the first reactor and then you exit the reactor and that's it. Like that's the demo. That's the exact same demo. The first one was that's pretty funny. It's, so it's really cool. Like they tried <clears throat> and there was already some people on Twitter today. I don't know if you remember the Dean Takahashi thing, right? With Cuphead. Do you remember him? And he like couldn't get over that first jump and Cuphead. It took like a minute and a half for him to <laughs> do the tutorial jumping where it says jump and then dash. And have you ever seen that? I haven't. Okay. No. I will share that with you. But uh, like somebody he's, he's, he's big in kind of game collecting and retro gaming. He's written a book or two. His name's Chris Kohler. You might know. Who he, yeah. is. he does Kotaku. Yeah. Games. I met him at uh, Midwest gaming yeah, classic Midwest last, year. last year. Yeah. He, he was getting shredded on Twitter this morning because he shared that he didn't really like the game because he felt like the boss fight uh, was they they threw too many things at you. They threw too many like systems okay. because there's a lot of weird stuff. Like for instance, it's real time battle, but you have a block button to reduce damage. You have a dodge. You can dodge certain attacks, and then you can actually use environmental pieces, which they've shown us in videos. You can use environmental pieces to block incoming damage. Okay. And then there's some sort of like breaking system where if you hit the enemy enough, they actually become like staggered and then they take extra damage. And so they like all enemies are going to have a weakness. If you use that weakness, you increase the amount of time they or you increase how much they're going to get staggered by. And then when you hit it, that final hit makes them staggered. You do like double damage or something. Okay. So it's not that complicated. It's actually not too bad. But he was saying how he thought it was too complicated. And then everyone was saying all the Dean Takahashi comments about like how he couldn't even make a jump in Cuphead. It's not nearly the same thing, but it also was just him giving his opinion that it actually killed the hype for him playing it in that mode. And I talked to another friend this morning who played the demo yesterday and didn't really love it. He said he felt like it was too button mashy. And then, because here's one of the biggest changes. So when you play in, in real mode, real time mode, your potions, your items are all also tied to your ATP bar. Like your ATP, okay. like your gauge. So what you do is as you use normal attacks, you build that meter and it builds up with time, builds up. Then you get, like, a full meter. Then you can use a skill, an item, or a magic spell. But you can't until that's full. So it's this weird kind of merger of, like, the active gauge and, like, turn-based combat. It's, it's this weird kind of thing. I think it works just fine. And if you were – the tough part is if you didn't have that in there to limit the usage of potions, you would just spam potions the whole time. So you'd be in there recklessly fighting – spam potions recklessly fighting and then you'd go buy 99 high potions go into any battle and just spam pots while doing that so it was it was the game mechanic they had to have to balance out the ability to dodge and block okay um but i loved it played it all the way through and I, admittedly i died on the first boss because i was like i was i was playing at the store and there was one customer in there kind of watching me play and he was like talking to me the whole time so i was back kind of back and forth talking to him and then i I wasn't paying attention, and basically the scorpion boss, the first boss, he, like, raised his tail. And when he does that in the turn-based copy of the game, you know, in the regular Final Fantasy VII, you're not supposed to attack him because you take, like, extra damage. Okay. So they did the same mechanic here. You're not supposed to attack him, and you're supposed to just stand behind the wall, let him blow it up, and then go in and attack him. Well, like, I saw him shooting the laser at the other character, so I switched to Cloud, and I was like, well, I'll, 
I'll just run around the side and hit him. And at one, he had a barrier up, so I hit him and took damage. But when he blew up Barrett, he hit me too, okay. killed me, and then Barrett had like 10 HP left, and I didn't have any gauge left to use an item. So it just sucked. <laughs> and then I played again, and I just like whooped him the second time. So it's different, you know, but I got super nostalgic feelings from it. It just seemed like what they do with Resident Evil 2, where it feels like the same game, but they've updated everything, and the original will still be great. And this one will just be, like, more great yeah. in a different way. Or great in a different way. That's not necessarily more great, but great in a different way. Did you uh, did you play the remaster of the uh, PC version of Final Fantasy VII when I they did. released it? I played it, it on PS4, yeah. which is essentially the well, same version. Well, it's the same version. thing. Yeah. They, they took the PC version and they yeah. just tossed it on yeah, the PS4. Yeah, where they added, like, the speed-up option yeah. like, to speed-up combat, and then they added, like, cheats if you wanted to throw them in. Yeah, I did play that, yeah. Okay. Um, Have you? I have not because I still hate that game. Uh, I will play. I'm, I'm tempted to play it just to get achievements because uh, I'm a freak. Sure, but um, I think you would really like. Are you talking about the remake or the the port? The port. I okay. might play that at some point just for achievements. But then uh, um, I will play the remaster because uh, I'm interested. Like I, I want to like it. And I want to get into it and play it. Um, it might get you into it just enough to then try the original. I think people, and actually Jason Schreier from Kotaku made this argument this morning, that he played the demo. Well, he didn't play the demo. I'm sorry. He played three hours. He played different vertical slices of the game at like a trade show thing. And he said that he actually felt it was very jarring how different it was. Okay. But I also feel like, yeah, I mean, it, it needs to be different. Because if it's exactly the same, then people are going to complain it's not different enough. So, like, where is that line? And it's different for everybody. That's his opinion. He's more than welcome to have it. I just I just thought it was funny that he said it was jarring. And I even retweeted that and said, you know, I felt the exact opposite. As someone who loves the original, has great memories with it, it didn't jar me at all. You know, I, I to me, I was like, yeah, it's different, but it's the same game done differently. And it was neat. I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I, don't, I didn't have one negative thought. I mean, yeah, there was a few little things that annoyed me, like, there's a tutorial part where they're trying to show to, to you that there's enemies that fly. Okay. And so they make you switch to Barrett to shoot them down because Cloud can't, like, jump and he can't hit them. Okay. And sometimes I've hit the button to attack, and he'll straight up leap in the air and attack a flying target. But you don't control that. So sometimes I feel like they're making you switch to Barrett so he can shoot him down, which they were because it was a tutorial. Later in the game, they can't do that because you don't know what your party makeup's going to be. You may not have any quote-unquote ranged people. You yeah, know? So, okay. Um, but it was, it was different with him, too, because like when you attack with Barrett, you hold the square button down. He does like a chain gun, and then at the last burst of it, does like a big burst attack. So it, it was two totally different play styles between the two of them. It was kind of neat. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's different, but I like it. Um, but, yeah, so if I'm, it's definitely worth playing. I, I think you will like it when the time comes. I think I'll have to download that demo. I at least want the free theme for playing the demo. So. Oh, you get a free theme for playing the demo? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it should be on your console now that you've finished it, I think. Nice. I have to get that then. I have to go get that because it's Final Fantasy VII, and I'm a sucker for pretty much anything Final Fantasy VII. And, and the only concern I have about the game really is that by the time the other parts come out, if it ends up being two more parts or if it's just one more part, because it's been confirmed it's two discs and it's the, over yep. the version we're getting the is version we're getting is two discs and it's over 100 gigabytes good lordy so you know red dead two <laughs> yeah. caliber amount of stuff amount of files um but and there are people who aren't gonna like it like there's people who love the original and think it's sacred and aren't gonna want something new and that's fine i don't you know it's totally fine but i'm gonna play the hell out of it i think i'm really excited it comes out the day after my birthday nice. so i'm really really excited for that i'm curious if they're gonna be if they're gonna be able to crank out 
the next one quickly or if it's going to be another three four year wait that's like, a great point very like, fair point is it are we gonna get final fantasy 7 VII part 7 <laughs> yeah well and that was ultimately my concern is if it takes more than a year or two to come out is it just gonna be is like part one and two gonna start off on ps4 and then part three will be on PS5. You know, like, I don't want that. And then, of course, the PS4 games will work on PS5. Yeah. So that's fine. Same with Xbox One will work on Series X. But I don't want that. I don't want two games with the blue cases and then whatever the <laughs> next color, gen, whatever case is or shape or whatever, you know. And I don't know. And I don't know if you saw the mock-up, but someone did a mock-up of a PS5 case and they were black. Okay. Oh, and they were beautiful. Like, the, uh, to go back to black cases, I think would be really sweet. I'll have to take a look at that. Oh, man. They did, like, a Ghost of Tsushima mock-up with a black case. It was sexy, man. Like, it was just really nice. But anyway, um, with that being said, we're going to get into our first story of the day. So we're going to talk about the coronavirus first. And then uh, how it affects the video gaming, okay? So we're not going to, like, we are, you know what? I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about things like wash your hands. But we're, we're going to, for the most part, we're just going to explain how it's been affecting the game industry as a whole then we'll go and we'll talk a little bit about geforce now and then uh and then we'll wrap it up we got our games of the week picked out we have our pickup pile of the week and then we'll get uh we'll get going all right so like i said first on the podcast hey john we are talking about the coronavirus and how it's affecting the gaming industry now i know you've been hearing this everywhere there's scare tactics out there everything it's obviously a pretty big deal going on right now some places making it maybe a bigger deal than it is other places maybe not making a big enough deal as it is we just want to talk about how it's affecting the game industry so time did a pretty good article this morning they kind of wrapped it up well but i've been seeing a few different articles and i think it's if you remember the first one was sony backing out of gdc and out of pax east that was kind of the first that, that that's what i remember is the first one sony was kind of the first one to say we're backing out which is funny because i got a lot of flack for that like oh they don't have anything to show so i can't be there it was kind of funny it's like well no they're changing even the i want to say the mayor of boston does that sound right the mayor yeah, of boston he was, was like begging them to not sony not to back out which is funny because it's not like what how do i want to say this? it's not like they were doing it not for a good reason, you know, and it's, and, and, and actually the, the mayor was arguing that, you know, don't buy into the hype. Boston's fine. There's not a big, but that wasn't really the issue. The issue was the travel and a lot of people coming from countries connecting through countries that do have issues. Yeah. And so I think Sony made a tough decision, which I mean, maybe it wasn't even that tough. They've been backing out of more and more conferences anyway. Like maybe to them, they were like, let's save some more money and back out of this one. But that was kind of the first one I remember. Uh, however, well, actually, I, yeah. real quick though, I think the crazy thing and the reason why it's it was so shocking that they backed out of it though is that they made a really big deal of saying, "Hey, we're gonna be there and we're gonna have the Last of Us demo, yes. and the public is gonna be able to play it. Go to this website, <laughs> sign up for a time to play it, and we'll see you at PAX." Yeah, and then like five days later, they're like, "We're not going." Yeah. And, and that is a big deal. Yeah, obviously, so, you never want to overpromise and underdeliver, and they certainly did that. I think it was the quick turnaround that that surprised yeah. me because it was like, I find it interesting that they were so quick on it too. You know, like I said, they they were just one of the first to be like, you know, they didn't say, "Let's wait and see, let's see how it goes." They were just like, "Nope, we're done. Like we're out, we're out." And they did it pretty definitively. And like you said, even right after that, after making a huge announcement, so clearly five days earlier, they had no thought in their mind they weren't going. Yeah. So weird stuff. Uh, so quickly, uh, we're going to talk about what the coronavirus is. So 
it's basically a new strain of the coronavirus, if you want to look at it that way. There have been other strains of the coronavirus already. I think Anarchizer Bush wants us to call it COVID-19. COVID, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so COVID-19 is the strain. Okay. So that is the strain of the coronavirus. So it is ultimately, I know it's so sad, isn't it? Uh, and then it was some Cliff Blazinski this morning on Twitter was talking about how in his restaurant, they said something like Corona sales were down like 48%. I was kind of wondering if like it's that. affecting like the um, Corona now, stock prices. I do, I do think it's funny though that like somehow the manager of Cliff's restaurant can tell you the percentage of not selling Corona beer and get it directly to like 48%, but whatever. That I mean, might be bullshit. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's BS. Yeah. <laughs> Did, totally he owns that. a restaurant? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like his newest venture. Okay. He, doesn't, he doesn't do games anymore. You know, he doesn't do. Uh, he, and I think he's writing a book. Like, he's trying to move on to the next chapter in his life, and Weird. people keep clamoring for him to come back to games. And he's like, hey, man, I put, like, 25 years into that. He know? did say that he would be willing to come back to to Gears, though, to Microsoft. Like, he yeah. tweeted about well, it. we'll so. see. We'll see. I think he'll want a level of freedom that he may not be given, Yeah. you know, uh, from Microsoft. Um, so you said there was, co- there was coronavirus. This is a new strain? Others, yeah, all the other strains have existed, and they, they all come from animals. Okay. So uh, apparently this one, this different strain came and again no one really knows for sure but they're they're saying it could be from someone who made bat soup okay. in china it, it, it what happens is uh i don't think it's in this article but but there's like a certain market area of china uh huan market Wuhan or yeah, Wuhan or... something like that yeah and that's where a lot of these things originate they come from animals because there's a lot of suspect not you know government regulated control of the meat and food sources going through there so uh, apparently someone made a delicious pot of bat soup with an animal that had this strain and it started spreading so it's pretty gross so really quickly wash your hands a lot it's just like the flu uh if you're younger uh i want to say if you're between like 20 and 40 you have a very low chance of death from it uh, and if you're elderly, it's a lot higher. So it just yeah. keeps going up as you go into your 50s, 60s, and beyond. Um, don't eat bat soup. Don't eat bat no soup. No matter that's, how that's, delicious it looks. That's, that's a great tip. <laughs> don't eat bat soup. Uh, wash your hands a lot like you should be doing anyway, you savages. So please, wash your hands. Um, but also things like respirators, it's not passed through the air. So uh, right now there's kind of a plea for people not to buy up all the respirator masks because people need those to do their jobs in other fields that actually use them. How is it passed? Uh, I think it's passed through, uh, like, contact. So okay. you'd have to, like, well, I mean, or Like fluids, sweat or... Sweat or sneezing on someone or if someone coughed in their hand and then shook Spitting into other's mouths and yeah, stuff. Yeah, plain ookie mouth. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> you got it. Um so i like that i went there and then you just yeah i'll just you just put a cherry on top you lobbed me up the softball and i'll just hit it out of the park that's why this two-person dynamic works well because i can't lob myself softballs that that well uh so like we talked about sony was kind of the first one they pulled out of pax and they pulled out of gdc so not only has sony pulled out of gdc gdc pulled out of gdc (laughs) they 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 postponed their event to sometime in the summer um, so let me, let me go through a little bit more of this just to kind of say more, some more of the things that have occurred. And then I'm going to pose a question to you. Um, and it says here, while GDC isn't much of a public festival, say E3, it is hugely important event for those in the industry. Big name game publishers will be largely unaffected by the show's postponement, but it could be a massive blow to small indie developers. Many indie designers spend considerable amounts of energy and treasure banking on gdc i don't know that's a weird way of saying that yeah money (laughs) energy and money 
Uh, maybe it's like the video game angle. The writers trying to be like, hey, treasure in games, right? Um, banking on GDC as a means of striking a publishing deal or getting publicity. GDC's organizers are refunding the cost of entry, but it may be harder for indie developers to claw back their airfare, hotel fees, and other retail-related uh, expenses. Uh, one of those that I know for sure is Limited Run Games. So they normally go to GDC, they meet with small developers, they meet with indies, and then they sign them, because ultimately Limited Run is a publishing company. Yeah. And so they make these deals, and then they go forward, and that's how they make their product, and then they pay these indie developers a certain amount of money for that, and it's it's all good in the hood. But so that was a big blow for them, and they talked about how I think they were having eight people go out there. Damn. So they they didn't get refunded for eight people airfare, hotels, and stuff like that. Yeah, they got the GDC tickets back, but not that airfare and hotels. Uh, so uh, here it talks about how it's also a blow to the actual gamers themselves. The show's postponement might mean that some indie games that might have been the next big thing might never see the light of day. Um. If you are an independent CEO who's been working on a game for a year and a half, had money for a year, but pushed through all, uh, pushed through on no money at all for a few months to get a build ready for GDC so that you can pitch a publisher, now all those games may be dead. And that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's possible. Like you could be, you could have been on fumes getting to GDC to hope for that publishing deal. Yeah. And then they cancel it, and now they're saying, "Well, it's only six months later." And you're like, I, I can't live for six more months. Or there my is team a team can't, you know. Uh... Somebody made a fund to try and help some of those smaller developers get some of that money back. I did see that. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I guess I'm okay with people spending money how they want, but I there's also a part of me that says, why do us as the consumer always have to take all the responsibility and the, and the risk? You know, but it's not it's not a risk because people who want to help can help. But, yeah, well, and I didn't contribute anything. Yeah, and right, I didn't so. either. You know? so, but yeah, so that's a good point. I know it sounds terrible because, yes, I want video games to come out so that I can play them. But I just, it's the same thing with, like, the Kickstarter for Wonderful 101. Like, why do us as the customer always have to take all the risk? You know, we were already taking a risk when we plunked down 60 bucks to buy a game, because what if it sucks? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, whatever. But I am glad that someone did it so that people who want to support that can. I don't have any problem with that, so don't don't jump on me about that. Um. It, the article goes on to say, still some in the game business say postponing GDC was the right move. Quote, it's a good thing that companies prioritize keeping their employees safe, even if some might consider these fears overblown. End quote. Says a senior employee at a major gaming studio who spoke with time on condition and for fear of alienating others in the industry. Quote, I'm glad that GDC finally decided to defer the event, although it's obviously still tough for anyone traveling there on their own dime, especially considering how expensive a budget is to begin with. And there's a lot of people that are still going. Like, a lot of these indie press people and, like, YouTubers and stuff are still going out there because they have the tickets bought and the hotel's booked, and they can't refund it. So to them, they're like, well, we're still going. Does anyone want to meet up and still do something? <laughs> to which I think, well, that kind of defeats the purpose right. of postponing it, right? <laughs> well, obviously, but, those people aren't scared because otherwise they wouldn't yeah. be going. So my question to you then, John, is do you think it's a good idea that they postponed GDC and might, depending on where it's at, cancel E3? I don't think they'll cancel E3 because unless it gets way worse. Because um, E3 is, what is it, June? June. Beginning so of June. So I think we got, got a lot of time. We've got three months, yeah. Um, and I think right now would be way too early to be canceling E3. I'm just wondering it. how many people, though, 
start planning ahead to cancel. You know, like because if it's three months away and they're not sure, now's the time when you're booking hotels and right. booking flights, and you're like, well, we just won't do it. But it it might be that it, people might delay their their bookings and stuff until it's a little closer. So I think for the hotel industry and the airline industry, it's probably gonna hurt them. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there will be time in like late May uh, to make those arrangements if they are going to go forward. Um, I do think it's weird. So um, Emerald City Comic Con up in Seattle is uh, like two weeks away, and they're going going on with that full steam ahead. Yeah. And six people in, in Washington State have died from coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I think, though, a good chunk of those were from the same nursing home. They were, yeah. Right? Okay. But still, there, there's enough people – coming in and out of nursing homes and obviously working there and then going home and yeah ta- like seeing their family and whatnot that it could spread. So I think it would have been wise to potentially cancel that sort of event being that there is obviously a risk in that state. Sure. Uh well and I don't know how I mean I know that's a big convention but you'd be surprised how big conventions are often run by small teams. Yeah. And I wonder if that's one of those things that you just can't not do it at this point. You yeah. know, and, and, and it, but it goes to the effect of that because that, that could affect, you know, this group and maybe they can't do the next year's one because they need every year to be successful. Like, I don't, you don't hear a lot of cons making a ton of money. You know, like, like Wizard World seems to have been on the decline. C2E2 seems to be on the, the an upward trend. Yeah. But like, Wizard World's been on a decline for years. And so if they're not making money, then, you know, maybe they, what if, they, could they cancel the show just completely? and then keep it going like they almost need that momentum yeah well did you hear about the super spreader in south korea Mm -mm. so this sounds like a 24 episode like it it (laughs) sounds like a season of 24 it's crazy so a 63 year old woman in south korea got the virus and she's in a religious like doomsday sect of christianity where they think the world is going to end at some point. Okay. And after contracting the virus, she went to her church, which her church is a congregation of like 1,250 people, and she proceeded to spread it to pretty much everybody in that congregation. And What, are they all just drinking from the same Kool-Aid glasses? I don't or? know, but <laughs> Jeez. Uh, oh, like a huge outbreak happened because of that, and then obviously those people left church and went home. Yeah. And so South Korea has been kind of freaking out and they're testing tens of thousands of people because they have this massive outbreak. Um, mm. that I think they did like 80,000 tests already to for the coronavirus. And the U.S. has done less than 500. Yeah. They just had their <laughs> second case in New York too. Oof. And so the first case, they weren't too worried because the person didn't use public transportation, hadn't been like in contact with a lot of people. But that's something that they're going to, you know, as they talk to every single person, you know, all of a sudden, what if it's someone who rides the train every day, you know? And yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's stuff scary. But anyway, we want to stick to mostly gaming, but it's all part of it. It's all part of the conversation. Uh, the article goes on to say, and while the coronavirus is indeed causing a spike in short-term demand for video games and consoles, it could prove challenging for the industry to keep up. Nearly 90% of video game consoles in the U.S. are made in China. That's where the heart of the coronavirus outbreak is. As employees there are being kept away from work to avoid spreading the virus, it's resulting in production shortfalls across all sorts of sectors, gaming included. 
Nintendo currently has a shortage of Switch consoles to meet demand in Japan. Facebook is having similar problems with the Oculus Quest VR headset. And Sony is preparing for a dip in PlayStation 4 production. Hmm. Other technology firms outside gaming like Apple and Huawei are also struggling with supply chain issues. Amid the coronavirus outbreak, Apple supplier Foxconn has even begun making surgical masks. Now, I also remember hearing that Apple moved the iPhone, uh, the new iPhone um, production. Distribu- production, thank you, to another company that hadn't been shut down. Okay. Um, I know also we had heard, you know, there was a little bit of that story about how Outer Worlds is coming to Switch, but it was going to be a download code inside the case, really frustrating. Yeah. Well, then they did the kind of this weird announcement, like, hey, sorry, we have to delay it because our team that's working on it is no longer coming to work, but we'll put it on the cartridge this time. <laughs> so, I mean, it was like a good news, but not really good news situation. Yeah, but then they're, and they're also, I think they said there was production delays because of the virus for the cartridge itself, too. Right, exactly. So it's just going to be a pain basically uh let's see here i the weird thing about all of this is you haven't heard anything about microsoft saying anything about the next xbox right because like all of these companies are complaining about their production i kind of wonder if microsoft is further along in its production uh than than sony or uh or other companies because they're not freaking out they're not talking to their investors saying like hey yeah. This may affect us in some way. Yeah, and I'm wondering if, like you said, Sony was... Because when, when do you think... I don't know if I've ever heard officially when, but I would assume the PlayStation 5 would go into full production July or August to meet, like, a November deadline. Like, usually give yourself a couple months for hardware production. Does that yeah. sound about right? Uh, I, I've actually never... I've never actually looked into that to see when, like, a console goes gold as opposed to, like, a game. A game like Final Fantasy VII went, was announced that went gold yesterday. Yeah. So if Final Fantasy VII goes gold yesterday, it's one month essentially to release. Yeah. So consoles, I would assume, is at least that much, maybe a little bit more. I mean, I guess it doesn't even have to be more, depending on the facility. So arguably, they'd have to be wrapped up with production by end of summer or early fall to get it out by November, if that's when they're going to release it, which you would assume. Uh, so I do wonder about that, and I wonder if that's why we're not hearing info yet, because maybe. Maybe they'll end up having to delay the system to 2021. And if they do that, maybe then they can say, well, we can drop in the latest technology, the latest processor from AMD as opposed to what we have in it now. Because what we have in it now is going to be whatever is hot as of now to March as opposed to what could be hot as of end of summer to fall when apparently um, like this fall we're supposed to see a whole bunch of new tech when it comes to processors and like gpus cpus stuff yeah. like that so i would think that that stuff would be like set in stone already like you'd, you'd, i don't th- think you think so you'd think so yeah because because they got to buy that crap in bulk and do those contracts probably years in advance um and you'd be surprised how fast they can pump out like like if they took like say they've been working on you know amds are working on their certain processor that's going in the it's not like a thread ripper but whatever's going into the the ps5 mm. and then it's they decide six months out because like i said if they decided to delay it to 2021 they could say okay well give us what's hot as of august instead of giving us what's hot as of january you know and even six months you'd be surprised what costs come down on things and maybe that would help them to get these things cheaper so that the it can help reduce the cost because we saw those articles a few weeks ago about the playstation 5 being at least 500 dollars just based on like sony's fears of 
the cost of the components. Yeah, that that delay would kill GameStop. Like it wouldn't help. They are banking on on this fall real hard. Yeah, and that would just destroy them i feel like because it would be like three years in a row where they've had really really rough holidays i i mean their stocks at three dollars and fifty cents right now so yeah it's 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 rough right i would hope that they don't delay it for their sake um uh, but i wonder if if microsoft's further along because like the the xbox one the dev the dev kit prototypes were the system and the, with the Xbox Series X, it seems like that's going to be the case as well. Yeah. Like, short of having maybe one less port on the back of the console, um, the the uh, prototype that we saw is the same design as the as the official image that they released. Yeah, uh, and that would, that had a production date of November of ninety or two thousand nineteen. So they might be producing those things right now. Yeah, they could be further along. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and and like so, the the article goes on to say, the gaming industry should be fine if the outbreak can be contained within the next month or two. Especially at Sony and Microsoft are working to release the PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X. Right now, the factories in China are trying to start ramping up, but they'll be constrained by labor, so the ramping up is going to be rather slow. But then they go on to say uh, that many of the factories making semiconductors, a key component of video game consoles, I mean, I just like electronics in general. Uh, are highly automated, giving manufacturers confidence that they can avoid coronavirus-related shortfalls, but are also cautious that the virus could complicate Sony and Microsoft's release schedule, though neither have yet indicated they expect any delays. Quote, when you have these new product development cycles, there are things that aren't that easy to substitute. The impact on the industry will be significant, end quote. And that's kind of the article. So it's, and there are, there are more things, and I think we're going to see more. I think E3, which would really suck because they already – we talked about this before. We already, they already took the blow from, you know, Jeff Keighley not going, but Sony not going. Nintendo doesn't do a presentation anymore. They just have, like – Their treehouse. They, they do the treehouse, but then they do still have, like, demos on the floor. Like, yep. they still rent a booth. You know, and so a lot of people pulling out of that. And then what if you had this going right before it and everyone just decides not to book their hotels and stuff like that and then – you know, their att- they might still do it, but the attendance might be lower than ever. That and, might and just because of this. That you know? might be the death of E3. And then that would itself. ultimately be it. Yeah, because once they, I think once, and and it would almost look like a trend, even though it's a totally separate event that's causing it. Yeah, it would still look like a trend. So next up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about GeForce Now. If you don't know what GeForce Now is. <laughs> It's actually pretty cool. I, I will say, I like this service. I've I don't subscribe to it, but I've thought about it. That thought is changing now, however, as <laughs> it seems the rules are changing. So, GeForce Now it started off as a streaming service uh, years ago and was a little bit different. Uh, it had games that were a part of the system you would stream off their servers and whatever. This was on like the Shield tablets the, and their consoles and stuff. Yep, exactly. So now though, GeForce Now has changed where it's like. You, you pay, f- right now, you pay $5 a month. There's a free version where you get, like, hour-long sessions and stuff. You There's a pay version where you pay $5 a month, and you get access to your entire library through their uh, digital, or through their cloud servers. Yeah. So think of it as almost renting a virtual computer. That's really the way to think of it. And what makes GeForce Now different from, say, Stadia, is that Stadia has you purchase all of your games through them. Um, I know a lot of us, if you talk like the Netflix idea, 
the Netflix idea is that you'd have access to like like um like uh, XCloud, where you just have a slew of games you have access to. You pick what you want to play and you play it. Stadia just has it where you buy certain games through their service and then you play the games you buy for right. full retail price. GeForce Now, though, is also just a little bit different because it lets you play the games you already own through another service. So through Steam, you could play, like you could install, basically what you do is you log into Steam on that virtual machine, which isn't really a virtual machine. It's virtual to you. It's it's an actual machine somewhere. Yeah. You log into your Steam account, you download that game to that machine locally, and then you stream it to your own to your own device which could be a crappy chromebook and it would work and apparently works pretty well yeah i think this when they announced it and they kind of like it's been around for a long time yeah like you said in different iterate but like when they when they brought it out of their like testing phase and kind of re-announced it the what i heard was i was like this sounds freaking awesome yeah like i'm not a pc guy but like every once in a while you'll you'll see steam sales and you'll be like oh man that game is like three dollars like if you're a stadia owner you look at that steam sale and you're just like i can't have any of that (laughs) yeah cool my games are full price especially if you're a stadia owner who's got like a low level laptop that literally can't play anything without streaming yeah but g with geforce now though like you could not own a computer and you could buy that stuff potentially off your phone and then log into your steam account and play all those games that you may not have access to normally and so i thought I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah, th- this this all sounds good to me. Like, I this seems like the right way to do streaming. Now, you yes. could argue I'm paying $5 a month to play my own games I already own, you know, but you're playing them on your service, and you're, you are, you know, you're using another company's servers. Like, you have, yeah. you, you, there is a cost there, um, not, not just the bandwidth. And apparently it sucks a lot of bandwidth. Well, anyway, the reason we're talking about it, though, is because another game, so The Long Dark, was pulled from the GeForce Now service, which is weird, right? Because you think, well, how is it getting pulled from a service when I own the game? And there are people who bought that game to play it on their low-end hardware through GeForce Now. If I had to guess, it's a very low percentage to their sales. I would assume it's negligible, which is why they didn't mind pulling it. I'm sure they have the numbers on the back end about how many people are using the GeForce Now service to play their game. I'm sure those stats are available to them. But this is following both Bethesda and Activision pulling all their games off of it. And what's weird is Activision even had a deal with them in the beta phase where all the Activision games were playable through GeForce Now. And it was some sort of weird, like, oh, it was a, they quoted it as a misunderstanding. Uh, followed soon after by Bethesda and now The Long Dark. However, this time uh, it says, rather than a miscommunication... There seems to have been no communication at all. According to the creative director, Raphael von Lirop, NVIDIA added the long dark to its service without asking the developer for permission. On Twitter, he explained that Hinterland asked NVIDIA to remove it and apologize to players who have put their excursion into the Canadian wilderness on hold. At least on GeForce Now, quote, devs should control where their games exist, end quote, he added. So, I can't disagree with that except here's what's weird about it to me this is like if you went to a land cafe or like a pc cafe and they have steam installed you log into your steam account you download the game to that machine and you play it in fact a lot of those like land cafes have certain games installed they have world of warcraft installed they have counter-strike go installed they have like certain games you log in and you play that game on your 
that you own. You, you can only play it if you bought it, or you can buy it and play it there. It's kind of the idea. So that's really the same thing here to me, but I don't hear them going after companies that would do that. Not that there's a lot of land cafes, certainly not around here, but obviously in other countries, they're huge. Yeah. So do we hear the long dark developer complaining about in Korea, there's a whole bunch of South Korea, there's a whole bunch of like PC cafes where people who don't own computers go there to play their games and they've gotten sales off that. Yep, they're all playing StarCraft. <laughs> there's a lot of StarCraft <laughs> being played. So my question to you then, before we go into the rest of it here, is do you think do you think you should be able to play on GeForce Now any game that you've already purchased? Yes. I am I am a huge proponent proponent of I own this. I should be able to play it however the hell I want. Mm-hmm. I paid for it. Um, and G- it's not like GeForce is... I, I can't imagine they're making a huge amount of money off of this. I totally agree with that. Uh, I mean, they're not getting any percentage of the the value of the game. Like, when you buy that game off of Steam, GeForce Now isn't getting right. 10% of the sale price. They're still They're still getting the same amount from the steam sale steam's getting their they're like 30 percent of the cost and you're just playing it in a different way uh the five dollars a month really i would imagine is just upkeep on their servers and buying the physical server itself so right. i i think and that's how it's hugely it. consumer friendly it, geforce now yeah geforce now is hugely consumer friendly and i think it's silly to to take away the ability for a customer to be able to play your game i i think i think it goes similarly along the lines of you know i i like the playstation i like its exclusives but if you told me tomorrow that sony was releasing their exclusives on every console i would be happy yeah because more people get to play that game in fact there's often times we've talked about this there's often times where a certain game will be released on xbox and i said man this game would kill it on playstation yep because it would just have different fan base there'd be a whole like there's a certain very different types of fans like different things. That's why both exist, and that's the world. We all have different thoughts and beliefs and things that we like. And so, to me, if you're anti-exclusives, you should be anti-developers having an issue with it being on the service. And I even have an argument with that kind of wording. So it says, they never asked us to put it on their service. Is it really going on their service? It's, it's on Steam service. You're just accessing Steam in a different way. Yeah, it's not right? like it's Game Pass. It's not like they're giving you yeah, the game for Microsoft free. Yeah, didn't put Long Dark on there without telling them and then let everyone play it for free. Right. Now, they do make a few... Like, like here, the article goes on to say, unlike Stadia, GeForce Now doesn't have a game store. It's a service that lets you stream PC games you already own to other devices. It also supports a substantially larger number of games, though it's already lost quite a few since it launched, including all the Activision stuff, so Diablo, Overwatch, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. And apparently Activision, here's the key, Activision asked for its games to be removed until a commercial agreement had been made. So you can argue then, and now this is Activision, this isn't necessarily the long, dark developer, but you could argue that Activision wants a cut, which is why they pulled all their games. Right. But I have to look at it and say, does Activision deserve a cut of that? It's They already got the money for the game. It's not like in GeForce Now took a cut of that game when they sold it. If anything, aren't they opening up customers? Yeah. More customers to be able to play their games? That's my that's my thing you know? in general. Like, if, like, I'm not a big PC gamer, but 
if I could play a PC game, my computer is like eight years old now. Yeah. There's plenty of games that will not play. But with GeForce Now, if I could pay five bucks a month and get access to, let's say Half-Life Alex wasn't a VR game. Let's sure. say it was just a regular game. Mm-hmm. If I could buy Half-Life Alex and play it through GeForce Now on my couch, I would do it. Yeah. that's That would be awesome. Well, and I and, think of all the people that buy, like, Chromebooks. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that. And they're like, those things are meant for, like, document creation only. Like, And, and I stream the music through the store on a Chromebook. That's okay. literally all I ever use it for. My Chromebook sucks. Like the battery's exploded now too. So like the bo- <laughs> it's just bulging up where the mouse thing is. It's such a pile. I could use that to stream this service. Yeah. And that'd be incredible to be able to take a, a $200 Chromebook or a $100 Chromebook, I think I paid for it on sale, and be able to play these games. But I'd have to buy the game still. Right. So I, I get kind of hung up on this. I really don't understand the decision there unless, and, and I guess, I guess it might be jarring, right? To Like, if all of a sudden I woke up one day, I made a game, and I woke up one day, and all of a sudden it's on Xbox. I'm like, I never gave it to Microsoft to put on the Xbox store. What? Why is it on there? But I don't that, – that wordage is wrong to me. Like, I don't understand how they feel like it's a part of NVIDIA's service. Yeah. Like, NVIDIA could just make GeForce Now stream your desktop. Right. You know? I mean, obviously, that's not what it does because you don't have a desktop. That's the point of GeForce Now. But, like, you could get it to stream, like, a virtual machine somewhere. You're not – I don't know. It's not a service to me that, like, the game needs to be plucked off of. It's so strange to me. Now, there was... I want to find it here. There was... Here it is. Another concern for developers might be the impact it has on potential ports. Uh, Lerop agreed with digital entertainment lawyer Pete Lewin, who noted that it, quote, kills the ability to commercialize ports for new platforms, in particular mobile, or to negotiate exclusivity deals, end quote. Now, that's a great comment, right? So what this might be saying is... Well, we were going to make an exclusive streaming deal on Game Pass. We can't make an exclusive streaming deal on, or an exclusive streaming deal with, say, xCloud, or we can't put our game on Game Pass if it needs to be exclusive because it's on the GeForce Now service. But it's not on the service. It's on Steam. That's what I'm saying. So you're not going to do it because the game's on Steam? I'm so lost by all this. Like, I understand it. I just don't get how they, I don't get that verbiage at all. Like, they're acting like GeForce Now is hosting the game when all they're doing is hosting a machine that you download your game to it it just sounds weird to me i don't know and i'm okay if someone like if someone comes in the comments hears this and explains it to me i'm willing to listen like if someone came out and said no here's the thing you you don't understand this is why it hurts developers like seriously like hit me with it i will totally listen i'm acknowledging that i don't know everything about this situation but when i'm reading here what my brain is telling me is that this doesn't come together doesn't compute it sounds like a lot of people who are in the technology industry that are incredibly fearful of this new change. And I I think you should embrace it. And I'm somebody that's super f- fearful of change <laughs> as a physical game collector. Yeah. I'm terrified of the all-digital world. But it's like, why are you fighting this? You're fighting the ability for people to give you revenue. Let them give you their money. Well, and here's the part that bothers me a little bit. It seems that when it was free in the beta... Everyone, no one had a problem with it. As soon as they started charging people $5 a month, everybody wanted a piece of the action. Like, that's what it kind of feels like from here. And so this is NVIDIA's take. Quote, as we approach a paid service, some publishers may choose to remove games before the trial period ends. Ultimately, they main control over their content and decide whether the game you purchase includes streaming on GeForce Now. 
Meanwhile, others will bring games back as they continue to, re to realize GeForce Now's value, end quote. So even NVIDIA is kind of like, I think they're confused as to why people are jumping off the service. Yeah. Just because it got, now because they're making money off it, which let's get real, when in the beta phase, they were clearly losing money. So now they're trying to make money as a business. Recoup you know? some of the loss. Right. I mean, I, I totally think it's acceptable for them to charge $5 a month to essentially rent a virtual computer from them. And then play any games that you already own on that. And well, and five bucks a month is nothing. It's nothing. And when like, they announced the pricing, people were blown away by that. Like, how many different ways are you going to split five hundred pennies? Yeah. Like, there's a there's a place in Green Bay that VR. Uh, yeah. VR uh, place. VR Edge Arcade or. Yeah. Edge VR. Yeah. They're sure as hell not charging you five dollars an hour to play yeah. a game. Oh God, it's way uh, more than that. Yeah. So like, like how are you going to split revenue amongst? how many god knows how many companies so, out of five dollars now that's a you'd great, have to push the price up yeah now that's a great question too think about that so the games they have at edge vr are they paying for a commercial license probably not to, like, not. Not to like throw them under the bus because they're a business trying to make it work and i actually respect the fact there's a vr arcade in town yeah. but are they you know are they buying like a, a commercial license for everyone to use or do they have the game installed in their machine and you're renting their hardware and you can, you know, I don't know. I, I should, I should probably ask them before I like blast. I'm not blasting them before I blast it on the internet that they might be <laughs> not doing that, right? So it, that sort of stuff is totally curious to me. But that, that's where, like, say, I open a land cafe and I put World of Warcraft on every machine. They can come to me, Activision, come to me and say, you have to remove World of Warcraft from all those machines. So I'm. Why would I have to do that? It's weird. It almost seems different because it's in the digital space as opposed to like a physical space. And those people, and in that regard too, people would still have to pay Warcraft the fifteen bucks a month to exactly. pay the game. They're still or play the game. They had to buy the game, and they still have to pay their monthly fees. So they're still getting their cut. Yeah. And so that's what's weird to me. And now I, I do get the exclusivity thing, but that to me is more of an issue with Microsoft or Google Stadia. Like, why are they forcing, why are they counting GeForce Now as a streaming service that breaks the exclusivity? Yeah. It's not a streaming service. That's like saying, okay, you're, like, and if it was, say it's Epic, right? And they say, well, your game can't be anywhere. Okay, well, it can't be on Steam, and you can't stream the Epic Store through this. Or, I mean, maybe you can, actually. You can, actually. No, can you actually yeah. do the Epic Store? Okay. So, you know, that would be different then, too, because it's it's not on that platform. But it's, yeah, it's weird to me. It's mind-boggling to me why this is a... Why this is happening and i'm curious and oftentimes developers have very different views on this stuff like i remember there was a, a developer for uh the game dark d-a-r-q it's kind of a weird indie game on pc it's pretty neat okay and he came out and said look this google stadia exclusive or uh excuse me the um epic store exclusivity deal they offered me a bunch of money for it but it didn't make sense to me i owed it to my pc fans and steam fans and on the, he had a page set up already because epic was sniping people with really interesting looking games on steam that had a bunch of like thumbs up and likes and okay. uh, wish lists and they were basically poaching them to be like hey come over here we'll give you a bunch of money he decided not to do that but he fully admits there's people out there who this deal with epic probably saved them yeah you know and so yeah it's just i i don't get it i i don't i don't get and again if, if someone watched this video you know it wants to give me some more pointers as to why i might be wrong please do i'm w always willing to listen but very strange to me like how they consider geforce now like a streaming service when it's really you playing the games you already own
it'd be different if you went on there and it was a Steam account that NVIDIA set up. Yeah, that had everything. any game on Steam, right? Like, they bought every game on Steam and you can play the game. It'd be totally different. I'd be, I'd be sitting here going, yeah, pull that game. I don't know. It's weird to me. Yeah, it's, it's not the Netflix of games. Like it, It's not. Yeah, totally different your scenario. Netflix, you're paying f- for access to a library. A library for... that they've made contracts with the... Yeah, with the movie studios and TV shows. But those contracts make sense because there's they have so many subscribers that they can spend the money to make those contracts. Right. Nvidia is just getting this thing off the ground. They if if these developers want some of that money, they should embrace it, and let then the a year or two grow. from now, yep. let the service grow, and then once once Nvidia is making big bucks off of this, then come back and say, hey. Now we want a piece of the pie. You've got yeah, we eight million subscribers. Yeah. Now, now let's work together. That should be what they should be doing, not killing it on the ground floor. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Help grow it because they've already, Nvidia's already said. I think that this is an introductory price. Yeah, the beta was free. This is like an early adopters price, five bucks a month. They're going to probably push up to at least ten, maybe fifteen dollars a month. So yeah, when you start getting millions of people on now, get people to pl- to pay. Then once you get to that $15 a month, then you can start revenue sharing with developers. I mean, like, that makes sense to me, even though I still would argue, should they have to? You know, like, I get your point. Your point is it's not business smart for them to kill it now. Ask for the money later. Well, you know? and But maybe they won't have leverage later. Because if there's, you know, if later it's more expensive and then they've all of a sudden got thousands of games going on there, NVIDIA's going to be like, well, we don't need your game. You know, so I can, I can kind of see that argument a little bit. But. Well, Netflix didn't start off streaming, though. They started off in a different business model. So the GeForce Now could transition to a Netflix model of paying developers to make sure. games and, and starting their own games if they can get the damn thing off the ground. Right. right. Like, they got to they gotta start somewhere. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. And, and I worry that more and more people start pulling off of this and then the service dies when ultimately this is probably the best version we've had of streaming like of a streaming service which again it's not a stream but of a of a service that we've had yet yeah and well and the the thing that i don't like about the streaming services is partially a big part of its price and then the lack of ownership right and and this stadia is another feeds into this so if you buy a game on stadia it's full price uh, Darksiders Genesis had a $10 premium cost yep. to buy the Stadia version. And then let's say six months from now or two months from now, if you're realistic, Stadia goes out of business. Uh, well, at least Google stops caring about it right. and I, lets I it die. We'll get, I think we'll get about a year or two yeah. out of it before they finally but, put the nail in the coffin. But if that service dies, does your game die on that service? Yes. Do you not have, <laughs> like, are they going to do the right thing if Stadia dies and give people Steam codes for the games that they bought? Mm. Or are you just going to be stuck with a controller that doesn't do a damn I think, thing? I think those 15 people are out of luck, man. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas with this, if you buy a game on Steam and GeForce Now stops stops functioning eight months from now, a couple years from now, whatever, you still own that game on Steam. Yep. So you still have ownership over something that you bought. So I respect the hell out of that. I want this to succeed, yeah. and I'm somebody that hates streaming games. <laughs> and hates digital. <laughs> well, and that's so that's really funny, right? So that's the three versions we have. We have Stadia, which is 
you can stream games on a virtual machine, but you have to buy them outright, and we give a cut to developers. Yep. You have xCloud, which is the net closest to Netflix we'll get, which is we already have a library of games. We pay them based on how much they are played. Well, X, uh, Game Pass is that, and then xCloud is... xCloud is going to be streaming your own content that you own off of Microsoft. Oh, I thought xCloud was going to integrate with with Game Pass. I believe xCloud oh. is going to be a separate cost. Okay, so I'm wrong on that. I apologize, and so I'm wrong on that. Yeah, uh, so... Yeah, I always thought xCloud was going to be using the Game Pass-like library and be able to stream that library. I think conceptually... Which I guess technically, you do own it if you have Game Pass. So, I mean, don't own it, but you have access to it, so then you'd be able to stream that through xCloud. Conceptually, xCloud is going to be very similar to GeForce Now, but for Microsoft-published products. Okay. Um, so... Your the idea is they want you to be able to stream your entire Xbox library that you own, most likely digitally. So, okay. Off so of... you you might know more about XCloud than I do then. So if I buy the long dark on Xbox One, am I able to stream that on XCloud? Not right now. Okay. But later okay. when when Are XCloud gonna... is out of beta, everything that you bought digitally should technically be able to be played through XCloud. Is Long Dark going to ask for a cut of that? Isn't that the same thing? Uh, they may bit. have that all baked in. Yeah, and uh, that might have been part of the contract already in place. That and... that might be part of the contract of having your crap published on Microsoft console in general. Yeah, like just... Microsoft seems like the type of company that would have that stuff locked down in a contract. You yeah, know? Nvidia might just be like, hey, you know, yeah, and and obviously Nvidia clearly isn't going out of their way to ask every developer and publisher on Steam if it's okay to play their games on their machine. And maybe now they are, <laughs> you know, with all this issues coming up, maybe they are going out and reaching out, but they obviously didn't in the beginning, like, you know. But xCloud is still getting a cut of your digital game that you bought. Right now, they're, you're not, or they're not, because uh, all the games that are on beta for xCloud, they're just giving you access to. Okay, right. Uh, so, like, xCloud on, um, on iPhone right now, you're just getting access to Halo Master Chief Collection to play while the beta is going on so you can be in the x cloud beta and not be in on game pass or xbox live yes okay gotcha. only the beta though only the beta. um and then you you can play it for however long uh they run the beta um on your whatever device on android mostly android has the most games okay. and then Weird. for some reason iphone only has the the master chief collection uh but you're you're essentially doing the same thing as as GeForce, where you're connecting to an Xbox okay. somewhere that's running that game. But Microsoft owns the store that you're buying the game right, from. So. so they are getting a cut of the game purchase, as well as they're getting a cut of the subscription sure. that you're paying. So ultimately, what we're saying, too, is that, so say Steam had the Steam Loader, and that was a digital platform where if you bought a game on steam you could stream it to any device because it was playing off of their servers that would be okay apparently because they've already made a deal with that company as far as their game being on the platform i guess Th that seems to be okay like i guess that would be okay for them they just don't like the fact that another company has allowed access for the streaming of a virtual machine of the game you already bought so i mean i, I can see it you know i mean I, I get it and i definitely appreciate where developers saying hey i should be able to tell a company i don't want my game on your service or playable through your device. I think that's fine, actually. Uh, I But I agree with you. I think it's a bad business move. It's like, you know, like, 
penny smart, dollar stupid. You know, like you think you're going to get some more sales on ports in the future, but you're not looking right now at the people who will buy the game full price on Steam to play right now. Right. But again, the numbers are probably super low. I mean, especially Long Dark was successful, but it's an indie game and it's been out for a while. So it's not like a majority of its purchases are being made just to play through GeForce now. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't think. Yeah, it's a weird situation. Um. All right. Well, that's all I had for news stories for the day. That was a good conversation. Are we going to beat on Stadia a little bit? Do you want to beat on Stadia a little Maybe bit? Maybe a little bit. Sure, go ahead. Beat them <laughs> up. Uh, what do you got to say about Stadia, John? Well, uh, there was the article that you were you brought up. Uh, so developers are saying that Stadia is or Google is not offering developers enough money to bring their game to Stadia. Right. Um, which is kind of similar to the, <laughs> the GeForce thing, um, which... In in the beginning of a console's life cycle, having games is important as hell. And right now, they're, they don't have any games, and they're not doing anything seemingly to bring more developers on board. I It doesn't sound like it would be that difficult for them to get a game running on Stadia, mm-hmm. but they're just not going out there to make the deals to make it happen. So right. it just it just seems like... Google is let, letting that thing out to die. Yeah, it is weird to me. And I still don't like how Google Stadia began. I don't like how they basically made you buy to be a beta tester. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't have a, they don't have a free version yet still. After how many months? What did it launch in three, November, right? Three, four so months. It's been four months now. Yeah. And so what, like, how was that service supposed to succeed? I don't understand that at all. And then you had to pay the premium. And then you had to start buying your games. And, yeah, they offered some free ones. And they took the free ones off, and other ones have just come off. I, I don't it, – it does feel like one of those products – here's what it feels like. And I know this isn't the case, but here's what it feels like. It feels like they needed to show some sort of loss on their, like, quarterly report. <laughs> so, you know, to like, to, like, balance something out so they didn't have to pay as much in taxes, and they'd already sunk all this money into it. And they were like, you know what? Push it out. Push it out and let it just sink us some money. So we can say that we lost money this quarter on our Stadia project and whatever. But I know that's not true. No company wants to lose money. I'm not, like, naive to that fact. But I don't get it. I don't I don't get how that was supposed to be successful at all with – and they knew GeForce Now was there and coming. They knew that already existed. And they knew that xCloud was coming. I mean, like, it's, it's the worst service out there by, like, miles. And yeah. I'm not talking performance. I'm talking, like – access to games and how you get access to those games not only is there no library the way you have to buy them is overpriced and ridiculous and you can't even buy them straight off the system like using the controller you can't buy the games right you have to buy them you have to buy them on the website i've put so little effort into knowing things about google stadia like i know the bare minimum required to do this podcast at least (laughs) um at least uh, like when it launched you could not use the controller to click into the store and buy a game off of the Stadia yeah. service. You had to fire up your web browser, navigate to the Stadia menu, and then download the game. Which, which... And the game and the uh, Stadia service only exists on one type of phone. Uh, so if you wanted to just play it on your phone, you had to have the Google Pixel 3. Mm. And probably Otherwise the Pixel it wouldn't 4 work. it works? Or yeah. Maybe? So it's like... Who was this for? Yeah. Like, the you're you're taking the small amount of people that might want to possibly try the service, and you're being like, oh well, you also have to own a very expensive phone that 
you probably don't own if you want to access it on the go. Yeah. And also, there's no games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think that was a miss from the beginning, and I don't know how they ever come back from that. Yeah, well, and it's... I mean, I shouldn't say, like, I, it's Google. That'll be fine. I just mean, like, I don't know how Stadia bounces back. Like, it's such a tainted name right now. Like, are yeah. they going to have to rebrand it to, like, the Google Google streaming or something? And, like, Google game streaming? GG? I don't, I don't know. And it's weird, too, because, like, when you launch a new console, having a small library makes sense because it's a new piece of technology that you're developing games from the ground up on, and you've got to do work to get it to to be on the service. But Stadia, to me, is like seems like it's kind of just a PC infrastructure, for the most part. I know that they have to they have to port stuff into um, the Android language, but it can't be incredibly, incredibly cost prohibitive and difficult. So why is there not a larger library from the get go? Mm-hmm. Like it's just, and they're all old crap, and it's all like, well, if you really like Tomb Raider, you're in, good. In a little defense <laughs> of that, what I would say is they are trying to integrate those really neat features, like, hey, you can, like, pause and pick up right anywhere. And there was a whole thing where, you know, on YouTube, someone could be playing the game, and you can like see right where they were in the game, and then click a link, and it'll take you right to that part of the game where you can take over in their spot of the game or whatever, yeah. right? Which okay, that's cool. I don't think they've implemented those features yet, but obviously the games are being enhanced. So I will give them that a little bit. Like, I understand why the library is limited, but then you don't launch a service like that. Right. I don't I don't see, like, there's no way they've come even close to making any money on this thing. No. Like, not even close. I, I don't know what the user base is, but it can't be great. I would love to see subscriber numbers. Like like active subscribers? Yeah, because I bet it's in the thousands. I'd love to see active subscribers, and I want to see how many people are playing at the same time. Like, like active users. Like, at this, at one at any given point. Like, say, a 8 p.m. on a Saturday. I heard, um, so on the Kind of Funny podcast, they talk about, uh, they'll they'll have like destiny clans and stuff. And they were talking about how people were looking for friends on destiny on stadia because it's a separate service Mm -hmm. that you have to have your own friends list. And in like peak numbers are like hundreds of people playing destiny Two on stadia Stadia. and that game's free. Anybody that owns a stadia can just download that game and play it totally for free. And now the, but now when you play that game though, it still connects to the server. So you're still playing with everybody else. I like, think it's specifically like you can only Stadia servers. I'd, I'd, that'd be crazy to me, like because you already. Ooh, ooh. I I would assume they still connect to the Destiny servers, but there's no friends list. Like it's not a it's not a you don't have access to the like Destiny has a friends list, obviously. But yeah, like what you're saying is that it it tells you how many people are playing specifically on Stadia, and it's low. Yes. Yeah. Which I mean that's. I, that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I don't think a lot of people are using that service. And I'm not, again, I'm not ca- talking about the quality of the service. All I'm commenting on is the library. The library's low and it's expensive. Yeah. And I don't see how, like, buying digital already is such a restrictive way of user rights as far as ownership goes. So then you take that and you take the next step further, which is now you don't even own the digital game. And you've got companies like GOG that are giving you, like, you can download DRM-free versions of every game you buy on there. So they're taking a step back the other direction. Say, hey, buy digital from us. We'll give you a copy, though, that we'll, you'll always get to have until we're not, we don't, if we ever not exist anymore. Steam never is going to let you do that, probably. No. Um, and I don't know how GOG gets around that. That's uh, but, that's the 
CD projects. Yeah. Yep. Did. Good old games. Yeah. Which, yeah. which they they turned into what they used to be was just this little like old PC game service. They got like the original Diablo on there now, and they got like Warcraft one and two. Like they got some really cool old stuff. But then they let you download DRM free like the EXEs basically, and, and then you just can't keep that game forever. Those guys are just the most consumer friendly company. Yeah, like, it's, it's they're weird. fantastic. It's, it's kind of weird because. I like it. Same thing with like the little things, Witcher 3 on Switch. They paid for the higher capacity Switch cartridges so they could put the full game on it. Oh, is that the first is that the first game using the largest the capacity Switch cartridge? Card, I think or the I think there's 60... 32 and 64. I'm not sure which one it used. I think it was 32, but yes, like as opposed to all the other NBA games that are cheaping out and making cheaping you download out, it. A quarter of the game on there, download the rest. Like, yeah. they did that. You know, at cost to themselves. They didn't Now to be fair, it wasn't Witcher 3 60 bucks on Switch, I think. Yeah. So, you know, it looks it's a little a P- rough. But... It's a it's a PC port of like a low quality PC port that they charge sixty bucks for. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's also how much of that is Nintendo. I mean, like everything's more expensive on the Switch as far as like when they port stuff over. It's always typically you get the Nintendo tax, the ten dollar cart tax, yep. whatever. But uh, all right, so I'm glad you got to dump on Stadia a little bit. I know it was like it was like eating away at you. <laughs> so we have our game of the week picked out, and we have our pickup pile of the week. John, why don't you hit me with your game of the week first? All right, I'm. I was in a Dead Space mood. I brought okay. up Dead Space Three earlier because of the, Dead Space 3 the earlier. Slim Jim promo. Uh, and my game of the week is Dead Space Two. Um, I did not get into Dead Space One. I bought it. I played it a little bit and set it aside. I do this with a lot of games where I'll play it for like an hour and then i'll i won't get back to it P- people who own a lot of games like we do do that a lot yeah because you just want to touch every game like you want to play everything but yes. the idea to be able to play through every game impossible right so it didn't i picked up dead space 2 only playing an hour of a one and i played it and i was like ah, i'll play it for a little bit i beat the whole game in one sitting of Dead Space 2. Dead Space 2. I love this game. It's about seven or eight hours. Have you okay. played Dead Space 2? So I played Dead Space 1 okay. about halfway through. And then you remember my old roommate, Mike? Yep. I, I, I love the guy. He's one, he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, But I have this weird thing where if I start playing a game and then someone else starts after me and then passes me, I don't want to play it anymore. Okay. And so he did that to me with Dead Space 1. Like I started playing it. I was about halfway through the game. I thought this was pretty cool. I'm not a big fan of scary games. Just because when I'm playing them, I'm so tense mm-hmm. that like my back literally starts hurting, and like I'll be I'll be like, okay, I gotta stop, I gotta like relax a little bit, but then I can't play a game where I can't, you can't re- literally you can't relax. It's a horror. Yeah. Game. And so anyway, he passed me on it, and I thought, okay, well, that sucks. Okay, fine. And then I ended up uh, just quitting, gave up on it. But that was also during the PS3 era, where I was playing a lot of World of Warcraft. So oh, okay. not every game was getting my full attention because I was playing World of Warcraft six to eight hours a day. And, like, 12 hours a day on Sundays. So I played the first about halfway through, and I loved it. Never finished it. And then I started Dead Space 2. I did the intro. Okay. Where you're, like, in the straight jacket, and you're kind of, like, walking through the ship. Yep. And then there were a few, like, jump scares. I was like, no, okay, forget it. <laughs> I was tense again, so I passed. But I'm trying to ease back into horror games because it's a genre I've missed. Okay. Forever, and I want to get into it. I want to play the Silent Hills. Like, I love the creepy feeling I get from scary movies, and I want to be able to figure out how to play games and get that feeling, too. Play this game. Okay. It's awesome. Uh, So, beat the whole game in one setting. I then went back and played Dead Space 1, and I got all of the achievements on the the Xbox version of the game. Like, it it 
I loved it that much. And then I went back to Dead Space 2 and got all but one achievement in the game. There's a there's an achievement for playing the game on hardcore mode where everything is more difficult and you have three game saves. Yeah, I don't uh, think that sort of artificial so difficulty enhancement, yeah. I don't I don't either. I'm I'm very close to the end of the game on that difficulty. I just haven't finished it. Um, mm. But the unlock for beating it on that mode is you get a uh, gun that is a foam finger, like a giant <laughs> sports foam finger. That's so stupid. That uh, when you fire it, it goes pew, pew, and it just blows up everything in one shot. Nice. Uh, so I kind of like want the, it. Like the, uniform, like the unicorn gun in Red Faction Armageddon? Yes. Kind of like that? Like it's uh, so stupid. I love stupid, it. silly guns. Yeah. Um, but a big reason I love this game is that it take the storyline I find incredibly interesting. Uh, the marker and like the, the where these aliens came from, I think is fascinating. Uh, the the female character that you meet early in the game, she's not damsel in distress. Mm. You are in far more danger than she ever is, and she saves your ass nice. a lot in the game. And like when Dead Space Three came out. And they're like, hey, it's Isaac and some random military dude. It was like, why did you not make it Ellie? She is awesome. Like, she's the coolest female, like, partner character in games, in my, or one of the coolest in games, in my opinion. And instead of making her the second player character, they just pick some random other guy. And they're like, oh, yeah, he also has weird mental things going on, just like Isaac. It's like. Why? <laughs> well, I love uh, Event Horizons, one of my favorite movies. Okay, and obviously, like heavily, heavily influenced this game. Yeah, like this the is idea her... of a derelict ship. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, so I have to, and I, and like I said, I played half the first one. I really thought it was cool. Big Resident Evil Four vibes, you know, like the over the shoulder and visceral is kind. Of, that's kind of their thing. Like, obviously, they're not around anymore, but that was kind of their thing for a while. Is they took a great game that they loved and they they made a game with a different aesthetic with the same style. Mm-hmm. Dante's Inferno basically god of war but in christian mythology instead of greek mythology dead space was basically a resident evil type game but in space with you know but then they had their own unique touch i'm not saying they rip people off because they always did really good quality games and for the most part and so it really does suck that they're not around anymore yeah you should play this game all I, right i i'll add it to the list it, it's got one of the most messed up enemy types ever <laughs> ever ever uh you get to it you get to, you get to a school i'll just say that so, when it, when you play it, you'll know what the hell I'm talking about. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I can only imagine. So, my game of the week is another PS1 game, sticking with the theme. I went this week with a game called Loaded. So, I played this. As you can see, I've got two copies of it here, actually. Well, John can see The podcast listeners can't. But I have two copies of the game. I've got the long box, and I've got the jewel case. The reason I have two is not because I love the game so much, but because the jewel case version is worth a buttload more. Than the tall box. How much is a buttload? Uh, this one goes for about, I'd say, like forty or fifty. Okay. And this one goes for about ten bucks. Really? The long, the box. long box is that cheap? Well, the long box is ninety percent of the print of the game. Okay. They only did like one run of the jewel case, and then the game production stopped. But they just made like one run of jewel case as the as the PS One had switched from long boxes to jewel cases. Okay. So loaded is it's a pretty fun game. Now I haven't played this in years. I probably should play it again. There's Six playable characters, you're in like a mental institution, and then imagine a top-down game, you know, kind of like Smash TV or something like that, and then 
incredibly uber violent like blood everywhere like people are exploding and you go through these very i would say generic like again like smash tv except you actually go through different levels you don't just wait for waves of enemies to come in and you just go through and you blow everything up and it's just like a really good like top-down shooter uh and then of course like i said it takes place i want to say here, here's the back of it take on the psychotic persona of one of six chronically pissed off homicidal mutants and blast out of the brutal planet rolf so you can slash and splatter your way across a lawless and unforgiving galaxy. I think you start off in like a prison. Maybe that's what it is. It's not okay. a mental institution, but you're in like a prison, and you pick one of these people, and you bust out, and then you just run around. Postal 1 sounds like a just ripoff of this game a little bit. <laughs> but it's uh, and, and it has a hardcore soundtrack, including tracks by Pop Will Eat Itself. I don't know oh. what band that is, but, but apparently <laughs> Pop Will Eat Itself. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, and I love long boxes. I'm, I'm like, really attached to them because when i first started buying ps1 games they were all long boxes yeah and then the jewel case though looks better on the shelf so i actually own the two copies and i picked up this one the funny story about the jewel case one i was at make sense in milwaukee and they were doing this it's like a used video game store in milwaukee and they were doing this like swap meet in the parking lot where a bunch of like video game resellers set up like shop like set up tables like a big garage sale in their parking lot now, as a used game store, you'd think that's probably not a great idea because aren't they leeching your customers right, and your yeah. customers' money? Hey, give these people but, in the parking lot some money. But it was cool. It was cool. I will admit it was neat. And did so you I went bring there. anything? I did not. Okay. But I went into the store, and they had a sale going on at the store as well. So it was like a big event. And they had a jewel case version of Loaded. And I was like, holy crap, this is like way more rare. And it was at seven ninety nine. Oh, nice. Because they stickered it basically at the long box price. Okay. So I was like, oh, cool. And so as I went around, after I bought it, I went outside and I was going through some of the other people that were selling stuff. And I'm like, looking around, I'm like, oh, going through this and going through that. And someone goes, oh, did you get anything inside for the sale? I'm like, man, yeah, I got this. You know, I pulled it out and he goes, whoa, that's so rare, man. What do you, oh, you want to trade for it? I'll trade you some of my stuff for it. And I was like, no, no. And he wasn't the only person to do that. I went to like another one later on and they asked me what I bought. And I was like, oh, I got a copy of Jewel Case Loaded. I didn't even pull it out. I was like, Jewel Case version of Loaded. Oh, dude, that's super rare. Do you, is there anything you're looking for to trade for it? I'm like, no. Why does everyone want my jewel case copy of Loaded? <laughs> kind of makes no sense. It's not it's not like that cool, you know? Like it's up there, and it uh, and it, it reminds me. It's also the same as the jewel case version of Wipeout. There's the original Wipeout you can get in a jewel case, and that holds value too. That's about thirty or forty dollars as okay. opposed to ten dollars for the original Wipeout. I'm kind of wondering if Simon Beasley did the art for the the cover interesting because he did a lot of that style of art back in the 90s it has a very 90s like twisted metal feel too which uh, wouldn't surprise me like i just mean like character design because there's obviously there's a clown and there's like butch is wearing a purple dress mama <laughs> looks like a big baby wearing a diaper there's these characters are wild uh cap and hands is a skeleton with like like a gunslinger skeleton or pirate uh, something, something. beasley is the guy that did a lot of the cover art for lobo Oh. Back when it originally yeah, came out. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm getting Lobo vibes, actually, he, off that main He got in trouble too. for uh, one of the covers of Lobo and got kicked off of uh, DC stuff for a long time because uh, Lobo, he always drew Lobo with, like, just crazy, crazy muscly arms and stuff. Okay. And he put a dick on the arm oh, <laughs> that was, no. like, like it got past like part the, of the printer. part of the veins and part of the oh, muscles. Oh, it was, it was super right there, like, and, and very obvious once you looked at it long Are enough. Are you sure you didn't just no. see that? Because no, because he got... He got in trouble for that, and DC didn't work with him for quite a long time. Well, that'll happen. That'll happen when they have to recall all those issues and issue apologies. But, and But Lobo was never kid-friendly anyway, yeah. so who cares? Yeah, that's a good point. Was that under the Vertigo label they No, did that, that was regular DC. They just put a nice. mature audiences uh, label on huh? it back in the nice. 90s. 
back when like the hardcore thing was cool though i mean like 90s had a lot more of that weird gross mature stuff like same with like wrestling at the time was going yeah. to the attitude era like there was a well, lot that of... was early 90s early though. 90s okay, that was so like that, that was like 90 91 92 93 well you did have kind of stuff like i guess it was through the gross out period but that would yeah. have counted but it I was guess... a weird it was weird to have that be a dc book like it would be it would have been more at home under vertigo because yeah. vertigo was more of their like mature stuff. that's like their mature line yeah yeah, yeah. So what do you have for your pickup pile of the week, John? I see another mammoth stack over there. Yeah. Uh, so if if anybody wonders, like, why the hell does he buy the stuff he buys? Uh, if you're not following Wario64 on Twitter, uh, you should. If because... you like game deals and you want to know of stuff, you got to follow Wario on Twitter. Like, yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, I follow him and I actually get notifications from him. Yep. So, like, literally on my phone right now, I've got, you know... Uh, like I don't know five. It's like eight, eight or nine. I War- probably have some nine too. or ten Wario sixty four ones. I have nine. <laughs> so Wario sixty four just posts like whoever has anything on sale, he posts about it. Uh, now, if you do follow him on Twitter and you have notific- notifications turned on, turn them off at night because he continues to post all hours of the day, and my wife will yell at me to turn off my uh, my volume at night while we're sleeping because otherwise she'll hear the ding and i mm-hmm. won't um but yeah wario 64 posts crazy deals online and so the majority of my stack is usually stuff that i found for cheap online yep so <laughs> it's like where do you begin uh all right we'll do that first so yesterday actually i got my uh, uh strictly limited as i think this is the first time i bought from strictly limited okay. Um, they sent the Vasara collection, so I got it for PlayStation 4. I picked it up on Vita, uh, which I haven't bought in a Vita game in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's I think it's been like probably five, six months since I've got a Vita game. Uh, they and then I also bought it on Switch, and I'm dropping crap. And then they gave us a couple postcards for buying the game. Uh, one of the postcards actually says, "We're sorry that it took so long." Uh, to make the game and then they also gave us gave you a little like almost like coaster style plastic art print which is kind of neat I got Raging Loop for PlayStation 4 the day one edition which comes with an art book Uh, I picked up Dragon Quest 11 which I flipped to the underside cover because I think it looks way better Um, it reminds me of uh, the PlayStation 1 Dragon Quest cover which i liked um and i got both of the persona dancing games uh persona nice. four or five dancing in starlight and persona three dancing in moonlight um i already own the collector's edition that has both of these discs but i bought them separately because they come in nice cases i also feel like them separately is going to be probably more rare than it will be for the collectors yeah that's fair um, maybe well the collectors like got discounted quite heavily pretty quickly because it seems like everybody well, over ordered it right right when that one came out though there was some weird sale on like amazon where it was mispriced and i got like two of them at a really cheap price like almost half the price okay. of what the collection was supposed to be but then i think it went back up to normal but i don't know where it's at now i haven't yeah. looked recently uh i picked up slay the spire for xbox one uh it was eight bucks uh actually i got this last night when you canceled uh <laughs> the <laughs> podcast for the night i went to walmart uh and picked up Conan Exiles on clearance. Uh, I got Grid. How much did you get Conan for? Uh, it was ten bucks. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's not bad. Uh, 
it's nothing like the clearances that you get from Walmart, uh, where <laughs> somebody's doing under the table deals. It almost yes. seems like <laughs> you would think. Like even I have to question. I'm like, is someone just like getting ready to quit, and so they're just doing no? Nope. Yeah, I, I I'm feel just like lucky that I have people that work there that like the store and want to give me a heads up. The deals that Greg gets at Walmart, I feel like people should be getting fired for. <laughs> Uh, I picked up Grid uh, for Xbox One. I've never uh, played that. I want to play the new Grid. Uh, grid 1 is fantastic. Grid 2 visually was great. I mean, I should say, I but... played the original oh, Grid okay. and I liked it. I've not played this Grid and I didn't play 2. Uh, grid 2, it just didn't have the same quality of Grid 1. Um, but this feels like a return to form. Uh, so I do really like the new Grid. Graphics are fantastic. Um the racing feels nice, so I, I like it so far. Uh, I picked up Hitman 2 for Xbox One. And then I also got Mega Man Zero X, ZX Collection. Uh, I'm going to take personal responsibility for this game existing. Oh, uh, please, please tell us why. So <laughs> uh, back in 2018, uh, in August, that's... GameStop has their manager conference, and uh, Mega Man 10 was announced, and they, they had demos for Mega Man 10 at the conference. And I went to the Mega Man booth, and I was talking to one of the guys that works at Capcom, and I was talking to him about how awesome it is that Capcom does um, simplified control modes and very easy modes, because I was able to set my my three-year-old nephew up with uh, marvel vs. capcom 3 ultimate nice and pl- putting those modes in and just giving me a, a, like a two-minute explanation of how the game works he was able to almost beat the game um and he loved it so i was talking to him about that and then i also mentioned i'm like hey you guys just did your second Mega Man collection uh you're doing your Mega Man x collection this next year i'm like there's one series of Mega Man games that are fantastic that a lot of people have not played and that is the Mega Man Zero ZX collection. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you guys should do a console TV version of the ZX collection because I know I would buy it and I feel like a lot of Mega Man fans would buy it as well. Um, so yeah, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this these games are great. If you do like the Mega Man X style games, these are basically Mega Man X, uh, so pick them, pick it up. It's fantastic. It's on Switch, Xbox One, and PS4, and PC, I think too. Nice, nice. So what do you got? So, I went a little nuts. I mean, not really. It's about the average size pile, I would say. So I also picked up the Mega Man CX Advent Legacy Zero Collection. Yeah, you're welcome <laughs> for the PS4. Um, <laughs> It's just my preferred console to pick it up on. Now, you chose to get on Xbox One because you like your achievements. Yep. Nothing wrong with getting Chiefs. I'll probably eventually buy it for PlayStation as well. Um, but what's funny is it... I don't know. I think it, when I ordered it, I ordered it with this other one, and I think they must have held this until it came out. So this is a two-pack that included Galaxy Void and Skulls of the Shogun. Okay, yep. So I don't think this came out on the same day. Uh, but they came together. It did, actually. It did actually come yeah. to Sandy. Okay. Because uh, I was looking at that at GameStop, and uh, when they first print the price sticker before the game comes out, it shows you the release date on the top of the price sticker, mm-hmm. and it was uh, 224 I think, was the the label, and I think that was the same day as Mega Man. I almost bought that as well. That was only, what, like 20 bucks yeah. too? Like, it, I'm going to eventually really, really buy affordable. it. 
Um, I got my limited run copy of Blazing Chrome. Nice. Finally, which if you haven't played Blazing Chrome, it's a total like, I guess you'd say a ripoff slash spiritual successor to Contra Hardcore on the Genesis. It is a Contra game through and through. It is super hard and super fun. I actually have a death compilation video of this. I put up on YouTube where I got so pissed at the second level because I and I just put a death comp together. It must have had at least fifty deaths. Holy and I just crap. comped it together. Really funny. And then on Amazon, this black sad game for PS4. So this went down to under twenty bucks. Nice. And I've heard that the console versions are rough. Like, I've heard that there's a lot of issues, performance issues with this. But I want to play the game. Apparently, it's based off of a comic or off of a graphic novel. It's been around for, like, 30 years. Yeah. Um, and it's it looks like an adventure game. And everyone's, like, it's anamorphic. So, anamorphic? Anthropomorphic, Anthropomorphic. Yeah. Thank you. I always want to say anamorphic when it's because it's animals. And Animorphs was a sweet, sweet was a book series. Yeah. Book series. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and you, it looks like he plays like a detective. I don't know. It's just cool. And it. I don't know. I, I wanna I wanna know more about this. I played the intro of that on Xbox because I picked it up when it was under twenty bucks at GameStop, and uh, it plays like a very high quality um, Telltale Telltale game. game. That's that's exactly what I thought it was. So yeah. okay, at least I know what I'm getting into with it. Yeah, I l- I liked what I played so far. Um, I picked up. I bought this on eBay because I, some, sometimes people come in the store and they get like a they they say something to me and then they get a bu- like I get a bug in my head and I can't. I can't get it out until I buy something. So we were talking about Dark Seed, uh, which is a PC game with the which was inspired by the artwork of H.R. Geiger, and the cover is one of his most famous pieces of art, yeah. in my opinion. And so the guy I was talking about, he goes, "Oh yeah, it came out on PlayStation." I'm like, "I'm pretty sure it didn't come out on PlayStation. It definitely not here." And I looked it up, and sure enough, it came out on PlayStation in Japan. And so I went and I went online. It was like fifteen or twenty bucks or something. Oh, that's not bad. It. Oh yeah, I bought it. I was like, oh, that's no big deal. Plus, I always love that that the spine's Japanese on one side, but it's English on the other. Yep. So if you reverse it in the bookcase, you get to still see the English title of it. And so I picked up Dark Seed. It's like it plays like a point and click adventure game, uh, like the old school, like Alone in the Darks kind of clock tower kind of feel to it. But then obviously in a much like darker twisted world have you played that on pc i have not actually there's apparently there's apparently a lot of like fail states where if you didn't do something super super specific at the beginning of the game there's no way in hell you're gonna finish (laughs) it and you won't realize it until like two three hours later where it's like oh man that toothpick that was on the ground i should have picked up and kept because now i need it (laughs) that sounds awful that's terrible game design by the way uh i picked up a copy of outrunners on sega genesis so it's just you know, an Outrun game, except it's... I think this is the last one they did. Um, and it was like a sequel to Outrun. It's super good. It's Outrun. It's arcade-style racing. I got a complete-in-box copy of Jurassic Park for NES. So this nice. game's uncommon anyway, uh, let alone finding it in a decent box. Awful um, as well. It's not great. <laughs> but I actually love the top-down of this game, and I love the gen, uh, the Super Nintendo version. Yep. So, like, this is like a crappy NES port of the Super Nintendo version, but it's still good. The Super Nintendo version, I got this close to beating. I was, uh, so they had the, the interior of the game was first person shooter style. And then when you went outside of the buildings, it was top down. And it was like Doom style first person in the buildings. So I was, I basically had, you had to get dinosaur eggs and then get off of the island and fly away on the helicopter. And I had like one egg left. And then I had to make my way up to the helicopter and, and fly away. I was exhausted. I was like probably 12 years old. <laughs> and so 
I went into one of the interior buildings, paused the game, went to sleep. Woke up to finish the game. Damn game was frozen. And oh. that game on Super Nintendo had no, no save. save states. So oh, no. it was just oh, no. toast. And like I probably spent like 15 hours playing that game. Yeah. You're like, not going back. <laughs> yep, never not again. going back. Uh, and then lastly, I picked up a really nice condition, Mint in Box Batman Returns for NES. Nice. So this is a late-life NES game because obviously Batman Returns is also on Super Nintendo. Uh, this version, not as good as the Super Nintendo one, but it's a beat-em-up. Like, it's actually, like, you move up and down and left and right. Okay. And, you know, enemies have life bars, but the interface graphically looks like the original Batman game, kind of. So it's very simple lines. Like, Castlevania, you know, your life was little bars all on the line. Uh, same kind of idea as that, except you just go through and it's a beat-em-up. You know, it doesn't have great, like... Music's fantastic. doesn't have great, uh, like, effects when you punch guys. It's not like Super Nintendo where you had extra animation and color so you hit a guy like Final Fight, you know? Yeah. But it, it plays very similarly to, like, Mighty Final Fight on NES. Okay. Um, but it's good. It's got, like, really dark... It reminds me a lot of, like, how graphically Gremlins looks, just, like, the way they did the backgrounds and everything, even though it's a totally different company and game. I like how on the cover it looks like they all pose together for a selfie. Yeah. Like, all right, everybody, get in! Look at Penguin there. Like, look at his face. Like, Danny DeVito's just like... Oh. It's like Batman just oh. ripped one. <laughs> yeah. And Penguin's yeah. very uncomfortable. Uh, Selena Kyle, Catwoman's annoyed by it because her sense of smell is very strong. And then Oswald Cowpot's like... He's impressed that Batman was able to rip one like that. And he's like, what? The cape rippled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Literal cloud. Um, Well, hey, thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. That was... That's it for the podcast today. Uh, of course, you can always follow us on Twitter. John's at Dryer Combo. I'm at Game Trade Greg. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube or youtube.com slash drop rate. Or you can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the drop rate. We also do the Dropcast every Monday Night Live. So just as a heads up, if you ever want to watch that, it goes from like 7 to 9 roughly. And it's just a whole bunch of nonsense. <laughs> um, and I call it Greggy After Dark because I always get a little more wild on that one like i don't have the restraint i have on this one where i try to be like more professional that's the one where i just kind of cut loose because it's not my show so i'm just like i'm just here for the anecdotal bs that i know that nobody else does so but uh, as always we appreciate you for listening and watching have a good one we'll talk to you next time have a good day bye-bye later <laughs>